Take your Bibles and turn in your New Testaments to the book of Hebrews this morning. Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to do something I don't think I've ever done before. Uh, the verse that we ended with in Sunday school, I'm going to start with in the, the morning service. And uh, I don't think I've, I've done that before. But uh, as I was going through my Sunday school lesson and looking at the final verses in the book of Hebrews, there was a particular word that just kind of jumped out at me. And uh, I thought, uh, Lord, I wonder how many times you, uh, you, know, you have used that throughout Scripture, particularly in the New Testament. That's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. And we're going to also look at it tonight. This is one of those messages, if you want the whole message, you're going to have to come back again tonight and get the rest of it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22. Let's all stand together, if you would, in honor of the Word of God. And I would like you to, to read it with me out loud together in unison. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, let them look on with you. As we read together, And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, it's good to be here in church this morning. It's good to start out the year on, on, a, on a Sunday in church with God's people, listening to the Word of God. We pray, Lord, that you give us ears to hear this morning. And we pray, Father, that we would listen to the admonitions of Scripture, that we would listen to the, the, the begging and the pleading, that, uh, Lord, that you give to us about things that are important and upon your heart for our lives. We ask, God, that, that uh, you would lead, guide, and direct. Lord, without, without you, I can't preach this message the way it ought to be preached. Oh, I can get up and I can, I can mutter the words. And Father, I need more than just the ability to mutter words. I need the power of God. I need uh, you, Lord, to be active in hearts. I need, Father, for you to, to uh, work with, with the Word of God in the hearts of your people so, Father, I pray that this morning that you would do the work that only you can do inside of our hearts. We pray that you'd help us to be attentive. And, God, I, just, I pray we get a blessing from the book this morning, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The word I want to point out to you that kind of stuck out to me, really for the first time and never really has stuck out to me before, but it's that word beseech. He says, and I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. And what he's saying is, he's saying, uh, uh, you know, uh, listen to what I have told you. Uh, don't don't uh, prohibit those words and let those words sink in and, and, and have their proper effect on your life. But he said, I beseech you, brethren. The word beseech means to ask, but it means to more than just ask. It means to ask with urgency and ask in fervency for someone to do something. It means to beg earnestly or even desperately. Not necessarily desperately from the person who is doing the beseeching, but desperately toward the person that they are beseeching, that they might, that they might have the, 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 uh, the behavior and that they might respond to the message the way that they should respond. 
If, if someone is beseeching another person to do something, uh, it's because it's of great importance. It's because they think that it's going to make a difference in their life. Uh, it, and and, and it, if someone is beseeching someone, that beseeching uh, needs to be attended to, needs to be listened to, needs to be, needs to be uh, responded to. And it's important not just to the one who is, is uh, listening, but it's important to the speaker. And uh, as we go through these, we're going to go through, I, I found, I found uh, uh, 14 different beseeches in the New Testament. Times when we're beseeched. And, and most of them are in the Pauline epistles. I believe that Paul is also the, the writer of the book of Hebrews. Uh, but but, but here's, here's, the, here's the point. Uh, you say, well, Paul was beseeching the people. Yes, he was, because he knew what their needs were and so forth. But understand what you're reading. This isn't, this isn't Paul. This is God. Amen. Okay? This is God. This is God's Word. The Word of God was given by inspiration. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable. Profitable to who? To me. To you. Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So, one of the ways we've got to really approach Scripture is not so much from a historical standpoint or from the standpoint of, well, Paul was writing to so... No, no, no. It's God writing to me. <laughs> okay? It's God writing to me. So when, when it, it says, I beseech you, understand who that is, it is, that is God beseeching us. That is God pleading with us. That's God ringing the bell, so to speak, and raising the flag and saying, listen, this is something you really, really, really need to pay attention to. Now, why, why I believe the Lord has led me to, to preach these two messages is because we're heading into a new year. And uh, I was talking to my daughter Joy, and I think it was on New Year's Day, and she, she told me, she said, I love New Year's. I says, really, why do you love New Year's? Because it's brand new. <laughs> you know, we start off fresh. we got a whole brand new year. And, uh, and, and that is true. That is true. It's a, it's a brand new year. What are you going to do with it? I'm not, I'm not asking you, you know, to make New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's not the point. The point is, are you going to listen to God about the things that he says are so important to us that he beseeches us? He is pleading with us to pay attention to these things. The very first one I found, doesn't surprise me, this is the first one in the New Testament. Go to Romans chapter 12. Amen. Romans chapter 12. Now there are other times the word beseech is used, but not necessarily uh, in, the, in this fashion where it's pointed toward, toward us as individuals. Understand what, what we're about to read. Uh, the book of Romans, and, and Paul does this, God does this through Paul uh, over and over and over again in the Scriptures. He will build a doctrinal base, and then he'll hit the practical at the end. And, and you, find that, you find that pattern all the way through Scripture. I, I love patterns in Scripture. 
I love repetitions in Scripture. And one of the reasons why, why uh, God got my attention on that, on that word beseech is because it's repeated so many times. Uh, and uh, uh, you, we, we really learn some things through patterns and through repetitions. But for the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, God builds a very strong foundational base uh, of, of belief. And he talks about salvation, and he talks about victory over sin after salvation. And, but then he comes to, to Romans chapter 12, and he gets real practical. Notice the very first thing that comes out of his mouth uh, out of God's mouth, in, in verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, now what he's saying here is just simply this. He's saying, look, because of all that I've just told you about salvation and about victory over sin, and, and how God has equipped us and what God is doing in hearts, on the basis of all of that, he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. We're to present the body that God has given to us as a living sacrifice to God. Now, why? Well, he gives three reasons. He says, first of all, he says it's reasonable. <laughs> He's not asking you to do something that's unreasonable. He's saying, listen, I saved you. Listen, I, I shed my blood for you. I gave everything that I had so that you could go to heaven. It's reasonable for me to ask you to live for me. It's reasonable for me to ask you to present your body as a living sacrifice. But notice how he does it. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You know, you know, one of the reasons why we should give our bodies to God as a living sacrifice on a day-by-day -day basis is because God's been so merciful to us. And, I, and, you know, obviously the starting point is salvation. We all deserve to go to hell for our sins. But every person here that has trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and believed on him and, and, uh, and, and asked them to forgive them of all their sins and give them eternal life and asked them for mercy. By that mercy, you'll never, you'll never feel the fires of hell. You'll never experience hell. You deserve it, but you'll never experience it. Why? Because God is merciful. And the truth of the matter is, since you trusted Christ as Savior, until this very day, whether it's a long period of time or a short period of time, God's shown you mercy after mercy after mercy after mercy. Uh, you know, in the book of, uh, and I won't quote it right, but in the book of Psalms, it says that it, he, is, he has not rewarded us according to our, I think it's iniquities is the word that's used. He's, he's not reward. In other words, we never get really the full shot of what we deserve. And I'm thankful for that. I'm not saying that in any light manner. But, but God has been merciful, and based upon his mercy, it's reasonable that he would ask us. Second, second reason why it's... It, He's, he's asking is, it pleases God. It's something that, that will please him. It's something that God desires. He desires for us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And the last reason is God owns it anyway. God owns it anyway. Uh, in 1 uh, uh, Corinthians, in fact, take your Bibles and turn there. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. 
That's something that's just good for all of us to, to be reminded of uh, over and over and over again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? In other words, you don't own you. You don't own, you own that body anymore. Why? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I, I didn't realize this when I got saved, but when I got saved, the ownership of me went from me to him. I don't own me anymore. I don't own this body. It's not my body. It's, it belongs to God. And if you're saved here this morning, that body is not yours. It belongs to God. So it's a reasonable thing. It pleases God, and God owns your body anyway. And so God, what God is just simply asking us to do is to surrender ourselves exclusively for his service and for his work. And whatever God would desire, that's what we should do. And you, know, you go on down through the rest of that chapter, and may, may I just say this real quickly? It's not only a blessing to God when you do that, but let me, let me tell you, it's a blessing to you when you do that. God wants to, wants to give uh, us as his children all kinds of blessings, but he's not going to do it if we hold back on that which, which really belongs to him. You know, we make a big deal, don't talk about it a lot, but we do make a big deal about the fact that the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So if you, it, because the tithe is the Lord's, if you hold back the tithe, what are you? You're a God robber. How many, you know, don't raise your hand, but how many of you want to be a God robber? No, I don't think so. And, you know, and we say, oh, you know, that's, it's terrible because that's not your money in the first place. That's God's money. You ought to get, hold it, stop. That's not yours either. That's not mine. It's God's. He owns it. And if I do whatever I want to do with it without consulting Him, without offering it to Him first, there's something wrong. I'm being a God robber. I may, I may tithe every single week, but if I withhold my body, which does not belong to me, but it belongs to God because he bought it with his precious blood, if I withhold it, I'm a God robber. So he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, I think it needs to be, I think there needs to be a set time when you do that, but quite frankly, you know what I found about this offering? It continually likes to crawl off the altar. <laughs> it just does. That's the, you know, that's the nature of the beast. And so we have to come back over and over and over again and, and just dedicate our bodies just to be reminded that this is not yours, it's God's, so present it a living sacrifice. Here's the next one, and it's in the book of Romans as well. Go to Romans 15. And we're just going to take them in the order that God put them in the, in the book. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, look down at verse 30. Romans 15, 30. Now I beseech you, brethren... 
for the Lord Jesus' sake and for the love of the, the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. He's saying, listen, I beseech you, please, 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 I need your prayers. One of the things I appreciate about, about John's testimony, he, he, he thanked you for the, the offering. He thanked us for, for what part we had, but he says, I'm so thankful that many of you prayed. You know, John and Debbie's dad was a missionary years ago. He was a missionary to Haiti, and he was there, what, eight years, ten years? Four, four years? Okay, four years. Uh, made a real impact in those four years. He really did. And I remember when he was on deputation, and, you know, I've heard other guys say this, but my father-in-law really honestly meant it with all his heart. He said, you know, I... I would appreciate your support. Honestly, we need to have support. He said, but over and above that, he says, I really, really, really covet your prayers. He said, and if I, yeah, he did. He said it all the time. He said, if you don't pray for me, I might as well not even go. Because I need the prayers of God's people. And so Paul understood that, and he said, he said, he said I beseech you, pray for me. Why? Well, he said, for Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit. And not first and foremost for the love that you have for the person you're praying for. Because the truth of the matter is, God wants you to pray for some folks that you really don't care for. <laughs> and he, wants you, he, he doesn't just want you to pray for those you love and those that you appreciate. He wants you to, appreciate, he wants you to pray for those that just irritate the socks off you. He does. We need to be praying for one another. And, and, and he, he tells us how we ought to pray for each other. If, 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 you, look, if you look there in that, in that verse, verse 30, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus uh, Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. He didn't say just throw up some haphazard prayers from time to time. He said strive together. What he's saying here is, I want you to take this thing serious. I want you to be serious about this thing. Um, strive means to make effort. It means to labor hard. It means to endeavor with earnestness. Uh, not, again, not, not to be haphazard at all. Don't, don't ju- and don't just pray for someone's physical needs. Uh, now, Paul asked him to pray for his physical needs. Uh, when, when he wanted to be released, he says, pray for my release. Nothing wrong with that, okay? But here's what most of us do, quite frankly. We don't pray for somebody until they're sick. We don't pray for someone until they have an accident. We don't pray for someone until they, you know, until, until some physical need comes in their life. Folks, there's, there's something way more important than just the physical needs. We need to be praying for each other spiritually. And I really wonder, sometimes the reason why we, we struggle with some things in our Christian life is because nobody's praying for us. And I'm not saying that to point the finger at somebody else, but I'm just saying, I need your prayers. You need my prayers. We need each other's prayers. I mean, that's something that's a very, very serious thing 
to the, to the, uh, to the Lord. Look with me over to Hebrews 13. Back to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, look in verses uh, 18 and 19. He says, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, things willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now, even when he said, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to get out of jail, I'd like to come to you even sooner, he wasn't saying that because he just wanted to get out of jail. He wanted to minister to those folks. They had some needs. And he was concerned about their spiritual needs. Uh, we need to be praying for each other's love to grow. We need to be praying for each other's holiness. You know one of the things that I think we need to be very, very careful of? Uh, I think, and the Bible, Bible teaches this, in fact, the very first verse that we looked at uh, in Romans uh, points very clearly to this. Uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Be not conformed to this world. So the next verse, but be transformed. God wants us to be separate in our walk. He wants to be different. He wants us to live a separated life. Now, don't answer this question outwardly, but answer it inwardly. Have you ever seen somebody that just really got careless with that? And they got careless with the separation, and you looked at them and said, man, that person's really making a mess. And sometimes it's somebody that's real close to you. Sometimes it's somebody that's real close to your kids. Let me ask you something. How much have you prayed for that person to be separated? Here's what we do. We criticize because we, we see the lack of separation in somebody else's life. But how much time do we spend praying for those folks? Maybe one of the reasons why they're having a struggle, and again, I'm not giving anybody an excuse, but maybe one of the reasons why they're having a struggle is because nobody's praying for them. Nobody cares for them. You know, Paul, he, he understood. He says, listen, I, you know, I, I know I'm called to ministry and all this stuff, but i got struggles. You know, you go to, was it, Romans, I think it's Romans 7, and uh, he talks about the struggle that he has on the inside. And, and over and over and over again, he's beseeching folks, please, would you pray for me? Uh, you know, we need to pray for their, for their love, for their holiness. We need to pray for their testimony. We need to pray for their endurance, for growth, for knowledge, for, walk, for their walk in Christ. Uh, we, we need to keep those things in mind, the important stuff. Now, I'm not saying don't ever pray for the health. No, absolutely not. You should. You should do that. But, you know, here's, here's, here's another one. And, you know, I've, I've been guilty of this. My kids have been guilty of this. We've probably all been guilty of this. Lord, I pray that you just let us have a good time tonight. Lord, I pray that you just let us have fun tonight. You really think you care? I, you know, and I don't mean, I'm sorry, but God is not in this thing for us to just have a good time and have fun. He's not. He's a whole lot more serious than that. Now, do I think God you know, wants us to have a good life? Absolutely. Absolutely. But sometimes that will involve going through a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow, a lot of difficulty, a lot of struggles. 
We need to be praying for the things that are, that are important. And others depend on God to answer our prayers for them. And I say it that way because sometimes we make a bigger deal out of the prayer than we do make out of the one who answers the prayer. But maybe some people have not. You know, the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. Well, maybe somebody else has not because we haven't asked. Maybe somebody else is struggling because we haven't prayed for them. I beseech you to pray for others. And then, then another thing that, that God beseeches us to do. Go to Mark 16. Now, some of this stuff's going to get a little uncomfortable. I'm just, I'm just going to come right out and tell you. It's just going to get uncomfortable. Romans 16. Pardon me? Did I say Mark? Okay, Romans. Oh, okay. All right. Mark Romans, okay? I want you to mark Romans 16, 17, and 18. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, right. Nothing worse than a congregation that pays attention for crying out loud. <laughs> Praise the Lord for it. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. <clears throat> it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. What he's saying there is, is there's some people that we need to mark and what we need to avoid. Right. And you know what's really tough is sometimes that's Christian folks. I have never understood, and I've talked to several of our men about this, and they're in, they, they concur. I don't understand when people get bent out of shape and get, you know, have a bad attitude, and they leave a church, and the folks that are still in the church that have a good attitude stay close to those people. And, and, and I don't mean that you ought to be mean to them, and I think you ought to pray for them. You ought to pray like crazy for them. But if you don't avoid them, they're going to infect you. I've watched it. I've, listen, I've, I've seen this happen a couple of times. Where I've, I, I watched a church that I dearly, dearly love lose two thirds of its members. Two-thirds walked out. Went from 160 down to about 50 or 60 folks. Um, you, you know, the, and, and, it, and was, there was a whole bunch of this stuff going on. In fact, one of those people, it was First Bible Baptist Church in Green Bay, one of those people wrote, my wife and I, and said, uh, you know, we've just recently left First Bible, and in the letter said, I, and, and I would imagine that, you, that we probably left for some of the same reasons why you did. <laughs> I didn't leave for any, any problems or, or conflicts. Or, 
man, I was hot. It's a good thing I didn't sit down right then and there and write a letter in return. I waited a little while. But I basically said, I don't know where you're getting your information. But I didn't leave because of any conflicts with the preacher or anybody else. In fact, I left on very good terms. And uh, not only in their heart, but in my heart. And so I would trust if you have talked to anybody along these lines, that you will go back to them, show them this letter, and apologize to them because your facts are wrong. Can I tell you, I've never heard from that person again. Amen. And that's fine with me. That's fine with me. Now notice what it says. It says, observe and take notice and, and, and stay away from them. Who are we supposed to stay away from? Those who cause divisions. That's usually done with a tongue and with speech. Contrary to the doctrine. Doctrine is more than just belief. You study, and we're not going to go into a study of it right now, but doctrine is not just belief. Doctrine is behavior. It's behavior based upon belief, but it's both. I, I know folks that uh, I know folks that that have that are straight down the line in their doctrine, but their behavior is a mess. And God would call them a heretic. Because they believe the right things, but they don't act the right way. And those kind of people need to be marked. Uh, it hurts both your growth and it hurts the cause of Christ if you don't do this. Uh, it, and by the way, it's your responsibility to mark. Now, please understand what I don't mean. Okay? Don't get a marks a lot uh, magic marker and go and go, oh, I'm going to mark you. I'm going to mark you. Okay, don't do that. That's not what we're talking about. It's just saying, pay attention to who they are. Understand that they're poison. And understand that they could hurt you, and they could hurt the cause of Christ. It's your responsibility to mark them. It's not your responsibility to talk about them. Did you get that? It's not your responsibility to talk about them. Just simply mark them and avoid them. Observe it and act accordingly. This is true right straight across the board, folks. Don't spend time with disgruntled Christians. Don't. I mean, honestly, I have, a, I have an easier time sitting around disgruntled lost people because they're lost. They're lost. You know, they're not supposed to have the joy, joy, joy down in their heart. But saved people are. And that doesn't mean, again, that they won't ever have struggles and so forth. And by the way, you know, it's not the preacher's job to, to point out all that stuff and to go put out... I heard a message on this, on this very passage of Scripture back years ago. In fact, it was Brother Rick DeMichael preached it. It was really good for me at the, at the place where I was in life right there. Uh, and uh, he, he made the comment... He said, he said, listen, he says, it's not a preacher's job to go out and put out every single brush fire he hears about. And that's true. That's true. You know whose job it is? It's all of our job. It's all of our job. Uh, we, we need to mark those and avoid them. And the Bible says, and God says, I beseech you. It's important to it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's another one. Uh, well, you don't have to go very far. In my case, only have to turn one page. First Corinthians chapter one 
And then also go to Philippians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter 1, look down in verse 10, if you would. Philippians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now he's talking to a very, he was writing a, a letter to a very carnal church. And, and for the most part, most of 1 Corinthians is just a big rebuke, showing them what they need to, to correct. And one of the problems they had was there were divisions in the, in the church. And uh, some were saying, I am of Paul, and others are saying, I'm of Apollos. And then others say, well, I'm not of Paul or Apollos because I don't follow any man. I just follow Jesus, you know, that kind. And, <laughs> and, I've, and I've heard that. I have heard that very thing. I have heard it. Uh, but uh, but uh, what, he's, what God's saying here is he's saying be unified with believers in this church. He's, he's talking to the church at Corinth. He's not telling them to, get, you know, to be unified with every, every Christian that's out there in the world. He was writing to a local church. And he says you need to be, you need to be unified with those that are within your church. Uh, Go over with me to Philippians chapter 4. Here's a specific example. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. Well, go to verse 1. Therefore, my, my dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved, I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, that's all he says. He doesn't say anything else. But obviously, they were at loggerheads with each other about something. Who knows? And he said, stop it. <laughs> he said, I'm begging you. Quit it. What have you, what have you got these, these, little, these little conflicts about? Listen, you need, to, you need to be of the same mind. Where you can agree, agree, and where you can't, oh, well. But be of the same mind. How? Be of the same, same mind in speech uh, be, be unified in speech and in mind and in judgment. That's what he was talking about over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, be, be unified in your speech and the things that you say. Be unified in your minds. Have, have the same mind. Have the, the, the same servant spirit. And then, last of all, be, be unified in judgment. Resolve Conflicts, and that's what he's telling these, these two individuals. He, I believe they were two ladies. He said, he said, resolve that thing. Be of the same mind. Uh, confront lovingly. One of the frustrations that I have is, and I've seen this, I've seen this fairly recently here, and uh, I, I, I've seen where Christians can't get along, and so they say, forget it. I'm getting out. Getting out of this chicken outfit. You know, that's their attitude. Uh, <clears throat> that's not the way God wants us to handle. Does it surprise us that we're not making an impact on the world when we handle church matters just exactly the way the world out there handles their matters? 
We need to make sure we're handling matters biblically. I have sat down with people over the years and said, I understand you have a problem with this individual. I'd like to help you with that thing. You need to go, according to the Bible, you need to go see them and confront them about the thing. Do so lovingly, but you need to confront them. If they don't listen to you, the Bible says take one or two with you. The second time, I volunteer. I will go with you. I'd be more than happy to do that. I want to see, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that because I want to go thumb somebody. That's not it at all. I want to see it resolved. When, when folks are at, are, are at loggerheads like that, the work of God is hindered. I hate that. I just, I hate it. I really do. I, I want to see. Uh, it, this year, just determine in your mind and in your heart. You know, if, if I have a problem with somebody, I will go see that individual. If there's a conflict, if there's, you know, and, instead of just saying, no, I, I, don't, I don't want to talk to anybody, I've offered to help folks. I said, listen, I'm willing to go with you. Will you confront that person with me? Nope. Really? Seriously? Nope. Not doing it. Well, then that's really somebody that really doesn't want to see God glorified. That's somebody that really doesn't want to see the problem taken care of. And oftentimes there's a good possibility that one of the reasons why there's a problem is because they're a big part of it, not just the other person. And, and, and that's, that's the case whenever I go to loggerheads with somebody. You see, you see that thing going on all the time. The, the goal, it was to have, and this is the goal for our church, have no divisions among us. To have no divisions, to be of the same mind, of the same heart. Next one. In fact, we'll make this the last one. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I jumped down. Jumped down a point. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, look down in, in verse 16, 1 Corinthians 4.16. It's the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and again, they were a real mess, and he said, Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Amen. Now, what he's, what he's asking them is he's saying, listen, find, find somebody, whether it be him or someone else, find someone who's serving God, and mark them in a different way. Mark them and follow their example. Um, when we follow good examples of others, we, we learn and we learn by observation. Um, this is one of the reasons why I encourage people. I encourage you this year. Find a biography about, about some Christian who lived for God and read it. Uh, I, I, I've got all kinds of books I could recommend of, of missionaries and so forth, preachers, uh, that, and, and they have struggles. You know, one of the things that, 
that um, it amazed me, and I, I just learned about this about mm, maybe five or seven years ago, that one of, one of my heroes in the faith, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who uh, pastored the Metropolitan Tabernacle, I did not know this uh, up until, uh, like I said, seven, ten years ago, something like that. And uh, I found out he had great times of depression. I mean, big time. I found out Abraham Lincoln struggled with depression. I didn't know that. But you know what? Both those guys got on the victory side. Well, you know what? I struggle with things too, don't you? It's good to read about others who have the same struggles that you and I have. Apostle Paul, again, going back to Romans 7, he says, those things that I would, I do not, and those things that I would not, I do. <laughs> What's, you say, man, that's just double talk. No, he's telling, talking about the struggle that's there. You know, he's got, he's, got, he's got a sinful nature, just like you and I got a sinful nature. But he got victory because God, he allowed God to give him the victory. It's good to read about people who paid. You know, we, one of the reasons why it's good, especially to read something of, of somebody that lived maybe 50, 100, maybe 200 years ago, because we really think we're killing a bear. We really think we're paying a price for God. And then we read about somebody who buried wives over on the foreign field, one after another after another, and did not come home. Mm. Every time I, I, I read about people like that, man, I get under conviction because uh, I, I realize <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not serving God the way I... I the way I should be serving God. And that, that's good. Good good to have that kind of thing put in front of you. Uh, that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, you know, and, and I've, I've heard this. I've actually been told this. Well, brother, I don't follow a man. Well, you're supposed to follow a man where they follow Christ. And there's all kinds of folks around here that are following Christ. Amen. Pick one. Pick a good one. And say, listen, I'm going to use them as an example. He says, I beseech you. And one of the things I want to ask you is this. He said, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Look back on this last year, 2019. Okay? We've got some new converts in our, in our church, the Besners. And uh, they're not here this morning, so I'm going to use them. Uh, but but uh, can you go up to Nick and can you go up to Desiree, you, and say, hey, listen, follow me. say, well, I think that's arrogant. I don't think Paul was arrogant. He said, listen, I'm doing my best to serve God. Uh, do I stumble and fall? You read through the, the scriptures, you find out he, he knows. He, and we're going to look at one of, the, one of those times in particular tonight. But uh, uh, did he stumble and fall? Sure. But he could go up to the Corinthian, Corinthian believers and say, be ye followers of me, even as 
as I follow Christ, that, that ought to be a, a goal that we have in our lives that someone else can use us as an example. Titus 2, 7 and 8, and I close with this. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, shewing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. I beseech you, I beseech you, present your bodies a living sacrifice. I beseech you, pray for others. Why? Man, we need prayer. I beseech you, mark those that aren't doing right. Mark those that are causing divisions. Mark those that are constantly complaining and griping and have an attitude and avoid them. I beseech you, be unified with believers in this church. Be of the same mind. I beseech you, follow those who follow Christ and be an example yourself. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I'm thankful that you care enough about us to point out in Scripture some extremely important things that we need to do in our lives, and they're so important that you say through the writers of Scripture, by inspiration, I beseech you. It's so good for us when we read the Scriptures to realize it's not just written to the church in Corinth. It's not just written to the Romans. It's not just written to the Hebrews. You're beseeching us. Amen. You're beseeching us. Oh, Lord, help us be honest with you this morning. Maybe there's some one or maybe several of those areas that we just looked at this morning that we've fallen short. Well, we've got a brand new year. got a brand new opportunity. And God, you are beseeching us to get some things in order. I pray, Father, that we would respond. I pray, Lord, if there's, you know, and I, I, don't, I don't know what's in people's hearts. Uh, John gave a testimony of a guy he thought was saved that came to his door and said, I'm not saved. There could be somebody here this morning who even claims to be saved or is claimed or other people think they're saved, but they're not. Lord, if I could, I'd get down on my knees and I'd beg them to trust you as Savior. If I thought it would do any good, honestly. I beseech them this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would beseech them in their hearts to trust you as Savior. God, please, have your will, have your way in this invitation. We give it to you. And as you see fit, move in our hearts. And may we respond to our Savior. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.